Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to point your attention real quick. If you didn't receive one of these handouts on the way in, just raise your hand real quickly if you didn't receive one of these nifty bookmark slight. Yeah, we got a couple up here. So if the usher team could uh, just raise your hand real tall, please. Real tall. If you haven't received, if you have not received one. Yeah, I'm sorry. We got one over here. Anybody else need one? Okay, praise God. We are going to jump right back into our sermon series, First Things First, looking through the book of Colossians. It's been such an enriching time to study this book, this small, power-packed epistle written by the Apostle Paul when he was in prison. Wow, that's a lot of peas right there. Um, I am so excited because we've had a couple of preachers the last two weeks come up here and just slang the word. Two weeks ago, Brother James Kearney came up here and just ripped it. And then we know, we know what we're going to get when Brother Huff Daddy comes back to the pulpit. You know he's going to come and bring that fireball. So he, uh, he stepped in last week, and it's just been a phenomenal time to just have some downtime. And listen to these men of God preach. You're going to be hearing from more men of God, Brother Danny uh, Van Dyke, Oscar Sotelo, they're going to be coming up and preaching in a couple weeks here. So we're just excited, man, that we are seeing God's fruit come in the place of teaching and preaching. We are seeing a, a whole new generation be raised up. And that's not just through the preaching team. That's also uh, teaching uh, the Equip 2020 class in missional communities. A lot of good stuff is going on. So I'm going to say a word of prayer as we cue ourselves into uh, the Holy Spirit and get ready to hear from him. Would you join me? Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the power of the word of God. God, you have not left us alone. You've spoken. And faithful men, faithful women have been used to record your voice in these precious pages of Holy Scripture. We desire to hear that voice this morning. God, I've, I've prepped, I've planned, I've prepared as best as I can. But apart from your Holy Spirit taking this word and making it alive in our hearts, God, I preach in vain. So, Spirit of living God, speak here this morning. I thank you and praise you that you're doing a work in our hearts and lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've learned over the course of the last four or so weeks that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from prison to a, a church plant that he uh, had heard about uh, while he was in prison, and he was used by God to launch this work uh, into movement. And as he's writing from prison, he's, he's writing in a way that's very fatherly, very lovingly, and, and very encouraging. The book of Colossians, there's no formal rebukes. There's no outright correction. He's writing just so that this church primarily can understand who they are in Christ Jesus. What a great lesson to learn. Not just one time, not just ten times, not just a hundred times, but to know who we are in Jesus is a lesson we have to continually learn over and over again. He's writing also to protect them so that they don't lose sight of that. So they don't lose sight of the fact that who they are in Jesus is primary. 
And who they are in him is rooted in his supremacy, that he is Lord over all creation. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the firstborn among creation. We learned that he's the image of the invisible God. We, we learned all these things in the first chapter. Now, Paul gets to this point where he's writing, he's saying, now I got to warn you. I got to warn you because all those things are great spiritual truths, but you are in jeopardy of that faith that you once had and do have now and you had when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are in jeopardy of that faith being shipwrecked. Guys, we are no different. Do you know you and I, every single day we go out into this world, we are at war. And there is an enemy that wants to choke our faith out. He wants to snatch the seed of the word of God from the, the soil of our hearts. And he wants to plant thorns and thistles among the seed of the word in our life so that they grow up and distort our view of who we are in Christ Jesus. And Paul was writing, and he was writing with the heart and the motive to protect them and to care for them, much like my wife cares for this beautiful plant. Now, you know what goes in, maybe you don't, but what goes into caring for this is there needs to be sunlight that it's exposed to, there needs to be proper soil, there needs to be water that is added to the, the soil so that it can grow. And why? Why does, why does this, these things need to be in place? Because it's essential for its vitality. Without these things, this plant will die. And Paul was fearful of their spiritual vitality dying. He was fearful that there would be some false teachings and false teachers that would come along and take them off course. He was writing with intentionality and passion so that this wouldn't happen to them because it was happening to others. They were being ripped from their foundation, exposed, tender. He was like, don't let that happen to you. Church, some of us walked in here this morning and our lives are uprooted. We're exposed. We're fragile. We're tender because we are being led away from the very soil that was meant for us to thrive. Church, I want us to understand that in Him we live when we live in Him. In Him we live when. We live in him. You'll see from this plant here that, yes, there's some soil and remnants left here in this bulb of its foundation, but what will happen after a while if I leave this plant on this table? One, my wife is going to be very mad at me. 
Two, the roots are going to start to become dry and wither, right? It has life because it's connected somewhat to the soil, but it's only a matter of time that that plant is going to become thirsty. It's going to become off course. It's going to become susceptible. And I've learned in my own life what can happen in moments when I feel uprooted and I'm looking to place my roots somewhere and all of a sudden they find another soil. Can I preach for a moment? Because every single one of our souls are looking for some sort of soil to sink themselves into. And if it's not in the soil of Jesus Christ, best believe it, it's in the soil of something else. I've sunk my soil, my roots into other soils and have paid dearly for it. I've paid dearly for it. The weeds of worry start to come. Fear and anxiety start to choke out the life of God in me. Doubt starts to come in like never before, choking out my connection to Christ. And in these moments, we expose ourselves and we become vulnerable to the winds of false teachings of all kinds. Paul the Apostle was writing in our text here today, and he was clear. He's saying, continue to live your lives in Christ, rooted, built up, strengthened in him, so that you will continue to thrive. The opposite is you will be taken captive of all types of false philosophies and hollow teachings. You'll start to believe human traditions and ceremonies as your life source. You'll start to be overwhelmed with all kinds of trials and false teachings. And if you give way to these things, the end is grim. In him we live when we live in him. Seven times in our text here today from verses 6 to 23, there is this statement of in him which communicates our union with Jesus, our salvation in him. Verse six and seven says this, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. I want to advocate for this. My first point of living in him is this. No, one, one, one back. Did I miss the slide? I may have missed it. Okay, that's fine. I'll teach you from the text. I don't need the slide. Verse 6 says this. Look with me. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Church, I, I want to preach today about Jesus' lordship. Somebody say, go ahead, pastor. <laughs> say, go ahead, pastor. Why? Because lordship teaching isn't popular today. We want to be saved and then live our life without the word encroaching upon our desires. And if someone tries to bring the word of God to us, we're like, nah, I'm good. Me and Jesus are straight. You know, I, I made that confession. I prayed that prayer at the altar. I responded when that song was played. But the Bible doesn't teach that, church. It, it just doesn't. And why am I kind of being somewhat sarcastic is because there is a widespread, a widespread adherence to 
this kind of lukewarm Christianity where people are just following Jesus and they don't even know the word of God and what it says. The Bible teaches here that they receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Somebody talk with me just for a moment. What does it mean to receive Jesus as Lord? Hit me. Master. He is master. What, what does that mean, Jer? He's the shot caller, the big baller. Master, Lord. What else? What does it mean to be that Jesus is Lord? He's got authority. He's chief. He's the supreme ruler over all of creation. So it's probably best to conclude he has chief's authority over your life, right? And he calls the shots. Yeah, Mahdi. The almighty and creator of all. Yeah, he stands above everything. He is the one who's created everything. He has created it so he is controlling it, right? That will preach in just a moment. I'll get back to that. What else? First in our hearts. What does that mean, Shane? That's a good one. Yeah. We don't have any idols. Paul is writing to make sure they don't take on any idols, meaning anything and everything that has the potential of controlling our will and our desire. We're controlled by his will and his desires, which is revealed primarily in his word. And we are not perfect, but we are being brought under his control. It's essential to know and understand Jesus Christ as Lord. He's saying, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him as Christ Jesus as Lord. Do you see the sentence structure there? It's that simple. So why do I say that? Because I'm going to be honest with you. There's parts of my life that are not submitted to Jesus Christ's lordship this morning. And parts of your life that aren't submitted either. That is the challenge here from the Apostle Paul. He's saying you received him as Lord. You saw him at that moment. And we've seen Jesus. If we have been born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, we've seen his lordship. We've seen you're the maker. You're the creator. You call the shots. You're the master of my life. And we confess that and we go through these moments where we're like, you can have everything, Lord, I won't go back. <laughs> but we know on a Thursday morning or a Friday night, it might not play out that way. Just, just saying here. So Paul is saying, be fearful of that because that's what it leads to. I don't want you to misunderstand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, it means submitting to his lordship. I love the fact that this phrase, continue to live in him, is written in the past tense, the active voice and imperative mood. Those are fancy Greek words. Let me explain them very quickly. The present tense, or the, I'm sorry, the present tense, dictates that it's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done deal. The active voice establishes our participation in it. Meaning that as Jesus Christ comes to us and reveals himself as Lord, we say, yes, you are Lord. 
And I am going to submit to that word by the power of the Holy Spirit. The imperative mood makes it a command and not an option. We don't get to decide. It's a command. This phrase harkens back to the 10th verse in chapter 1, which I preached on a few weeks ago, which says, walk the worthy life of the gospel. Anybody and everybody who has received Christ Jesus as Lord will continue to live your lives in him, and that is the worthy life. That you're reorienting your entire life around that with your desires, with your plans, your dreams, your relationships, where you work, what you do, where you go, how you spend your money. It all comes under his lordship. We got to be a lordship church. And don't get that confused with John MacArthur and his teachings, okay? Because there's a lot of things that I don't agree with John MacArthur. And so, some people are like, who, who is John MacArthur? I don't even know who that is. That's for all my, you know, educated theologians, Bible class students in here and people that read those types of things. However, the Bible teaches that Jesus is Lord and we continue to live our life submitted to that lordship. I want you to get this point because it's going to drive the remainder of the text. When we receive Christ Jesus as Lord and continue to live in him, something takes place. I love this. Our life changes. It becomes worthy of not just our confession, but our actions and our convictions. And then verse 7, you see, it breaks down in a few different phrases, all of which are written in a manner that describes them as a process that is accomplished by God himself. So the first phrase, continue to live in him, is we participated in that. We submit to it. We adhere to it. We receive it. And then the next Three phrases, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, all are the act of the Holy Spirit. That's important. That's really important. Because right now, this plant cannot put itself back into that pot. It cannot put itself back into that pot. It needs a helping agent to put it back in there, uh, supply it with soil and so on and so forth, pour water into it, and then it can grow. It's the same with us. When we turn to Jesus as Lord and continue to live in that lordship, he's like, you're going to be rooted. You're going to be built up in faith. You're going to be strengthened, just as you were taught. And then the last phrase is our reaction the the voice changes again and then it becomes what is the overflow of this taking place in my life when I sense that the Holy Spirit has rooted me is building me up strengthening me faith the only right response the fruit that I can offer to that is overflow with gratitude I was studying this past week about trees do you know there's a lot written about trees in the world I could not settle which one to go with because they were all fascinating. I decided to go with the river birch. The river birch has an extremely invasive root system which it depends on for its health and survival. 
Because of its high need for water to survive, the river birch will do all that it can to find water, extending its roots far and wide. Do you know that the river birch will even bust into systems in the ground in order to find water? It will bust into them. It will literally sniff out, if that's even possible, if a root can sniff. It will detect water from far off. It is. It's true. Isaac, I, he's saying it's true. He's affirming it. <laughs> Roots can sniff. Just, I mean, if you need to tweet that or whatever. It will shoot. It will shoot far distances and detect water far off. And then bust in to pipe and septic systems. Oh, how to have that be. How we pursue Jesus Christ and his lordship in our life. That we would extend far and wide, painstakingly maneuvering through whatever circumstance. When it's hard to leave a church, but you know Jesus is Lord and he's calling you. I submit and I'm going to extend my roots out. When it's hard to realize and wrap your mind around what's next. What's my future hold? Who's in the future? What's going to happen to me next? You go after and you continue to submit. Living in Jesus' lordship. And you experiencing this rootedness. And this building up. And this strengthening that comes. We can learn a lot from the river birch. And I love the fact that when we understand that we need God's lordship in our life because it produces spiritual fruitfulness and vitality. We become fully dependent on his lordship because we're dependent on him and his gospel to produce these things in our life. And we shoot the roots of our soul deep, deep into the, his word, into times of prayer, into times of fellowship. If we're going to experience tremendous growth in this plate, growth, guys, we need to understand that there is this call to us to live in his lordship. Jesus Christ says, Lord. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge myself. Some of us need to make declaration statements here this morning. We need to just, we need to draw some lines in the sand and declare Jesus as Lord. We need to declare him Lord over our desires. Our desires are running rampant in our life. We're giving way to our desires and they are Lord over our life. Some of us need to declare him Lord over our plans. You're much less likely to submit to what God would say because you have a vision for your own life. Some of you just need to say, you know what, God? I'm stepping back. You are Lord over my plans. Some of us need to declare him Lord over our dreams. Declare him Lord over our decisions. Some of us, me included, need to declare him Lord over our speech. Can I get an amen? Jesus being Lord over our tongues is huge. Some of us need to declare him Lord over our children. God, you call the shots with my child. Just like you called the shots with Abraham, if you would call me to put him on the altar, God, he's yours, your Lord. That's freeing. Painful, but it's freeing. A whole bunch of us need to declare him Lord over our finances. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Some of us are in this place, and we just need to move our marriage right underneath the lordship of Jesus. 
You control it, God. <laughs> I'm going to continue to live in your lordship with my wife, with my husband, as estranged as we may be, as, as tense as it may be, your Lord. And the most important one, this is not a one-time deal, but some of us need to declare him Lord over our souls. He's never become Lord over your soul. Some of us need to make that decision here today. Declare him Lord over your soul. True disciples are alive in Christ and consistently living in his lordship, rooted in him, growing in him, walking in him, strengthened in him. In him we live when we live in his lordship. Verse 8, I'm going to say for the last part of the sermon, I'm going to ask you to take that card out now, if you would, please. The front portion highlights verses 9 through 15. It's going to get a little teachy in here. I don't mind, though. I really want to boast on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I want you to walk out of here filled with worship for Jesus. Not saying that was a good sermon. Not saying, wow, the worship was amazing. Not saying, wow, that was a loving church. All those are byproducts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to walk out of here and say, wow, the incarnation of Jesus. Oh, my goodness, he... He circumcised me spiritually. What does that mean, Pastor John? Oh, my goodness, dead, buried, raised again. I'm blown away by that. Paul wrote over and over again, moved by the Holy Spirit, to just be madly, madly in love with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it saved him as a murderer. As one who was destined for hell, it saved his soul. Me, it saved me from drug addiction, from darkness, from utter depravity. And I was on my way to hell. You saved you. Paul was so moved that he starts to write in, in a manner. You can go to the next slide, please. In verses 9 and 10, he says this, for in Christ, there it is again, in Christ we live. When we live in Christ, he's saying in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Somebody snap for that. You got to understand, that's a weighty statement, that God, his power and his deity and his, his uniqueness and his holiness and his set-apartness dwelled in Jesus Christ. But here's the real kicker. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Whoa! Wait a second. The fullness of deity that was dwelling in Jesus in completeness is now in me? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That is what I need on a Wednesday morning when I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Wait a second. The fullness of deity is dwelling in me. I lack nothing. When I'm struggling to wrap my mind around what's going to happen next in my marriage or my ministry, when I'm uprooted, wait a second. 
in Christ Jesus, in his deity, I have been brought to fullness. It's dwelling in me. That's what the apostle Paul says. And then he goes on to say this. He says, he, he is the head over every power and authority. We've already shared this. My sister here said that. He's the head. He's over everything. In him, again, you were also circumcised with circumcision not performed by human hands. This is an amazing phrase from the Apostle Paul. Basically what he's saying is he's highlighting an Old Testament practice that signified the fact that the favor of God was with the Israelites. He's saying, you're my people. You're no longer going to be cut off. I'm making a covenant with you. And nothing can break it. Wait a second. You did that for me? And I am a recipient of your favor and brought into your covenant with all the blessings. Do you see how that shapes your, your Tuesday afternoon, guys? Like, I want you to lean into these. That's why I've created a nifty bookmark so when you open your Bible, you can see exactly how you live in him when you live in him. I'm sorry, I'm passionate. I'm like, who creates a bookmark for a sermon? I'm fired up about this. I just, I, like, it's changing my life. Like, I have no need. I, I don't, yes, I, I have needs, but they're met in Christ Jesus. And whatever I may go through, I can experience fullness in his incarnation. In his circumcision, I'm included in this family, a family you spoke very eloquently about. It's a beautiful family, and I know I'm a part of it. I'm a part of this everlasting covenant in Christ Jesus. And he's saying you have power. The next portion he says here in verses 12. Oh, no, no, the end of 11. Track with me. Track with me. I got five more minutes. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. That Understanding, Paul is saying here, he's saying the power of the flesh that once ruled in your life, it's been put off because you've been brought into the family of God. You've been circumcised. You've been set apart. You and I can overcome any type of power that wages war against our soul. Somebody say amen to that because I need you to know that. I need you to know that. I want to walk in that when I'm struggling with lust, when I'm struggling to look at pornography, when I'm struggling to look at women in an unhealthy, unwholesome way. I can overcome it at that moment and so can you. When you're struggling to tell a lie again because you're just so good at it and it's a lot easier. You can overcome that because that old self, an old man, an old woman has been put off. When the suicidal thoughts come, when the thoughts of addiction come, I can overcome that. That power that is given to the flesh has been broken. It's been broken, church. In him we live when we live in that we experience vitality. We experience fruitfulness. I'm sorry. I'm just really hyped up this morning. I got a hat on. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then he closes this portion, and I, I don't have a lot of time. Where am I at here? 11.45. All right, all right. 30, okay, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. The last portion of this text 12 through 15 he he goes into what we know all too well about 
but really need to hear again. He says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Past, present, future, the ones that you don't feel are forgivable, the ones that no one knows about, the ones that seem too dark and depraved to ever say to anyone, God has forgiven you of those sins. In him you live when you live in that forgiveness. He's canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. We talk about this often, guys, but I just want you to know, in Christ Jesus, in our union with him, the debt is canceled. It's canceled. You and I don't have anything to bring to the table it's like a check that you and I can't pay, y'all. It's like a Fogo de Chow type check. Even bigger than that. Because it comes with a buffet of blessings. But when we get to the counter, Holy Spirit, death, burial, resurrection, Jesus Christ incarnate, he says, I got this one. And you just filled off the buffet of blessings and you can continue to eat. Debt is canceled. Debt is canceled. You're forgiven. I love the fact that the penalty is removed. We don't talk about this enough, but you and I, apart from union with Jesus, we're heading to hell. The world is heading to hell. That separation from Jesus in this life that I'm talking about. <laughs> he moved that penalty from us. He took it upon him when he was on the cross. And then this one, I love this one. He disarmed all the spiritual forces. Church, we got a victory. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, we, I know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And... and I know that there's an adversary in the world, and I know that the Bible talks about him, but, 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 we got some serious victory. And we can walk in this when we live in him, when we connect, when we continue to submit to his lordship. Don't forget that one. That's where the power and the blessing is released. Oh, we can be such a victorious church. I look across the, the horizon, especially in our day and age right now, and I'm like, God is just waiting to pour out his power on a church that knows its victory, that is ready to continue to live in his lordship. He has defeated every spiritual power and authority, and I love the fact that he made him a public spectacle. By the cross.
In him we live. When we live in him, I, I just want to walk in this. This is a snapshot of the spiritual fullness and vitality that is offered when we're connected to Jesus Christ. The gospel is rich, guys. It's rich in nutrients. It's rich in the essentials that we need spiritually. There's power to overcome your flesh. There is. There's power to overcome it. You can walk in it and experience it. You need to know once and for all, no matter how much you've messed up, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. The debt is canceled. You need to know that you're alive in Jesus. You don't have to walk around like a zombie. You don't have to walk around, even if you may be physically tired, I'll tell you this. And it's not just because I'm an energetic dude. The life that is, I feel when I'm really in him and living in him, when I'm living, really living in him and continuing to submit in his lordship, do you feel it, church? Do you feel it when it comes? You, you, do, am I preaching to somebody? Do you feel it when it comes? I know it's real. I know it's real because I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, fired up. I want to go preach. I'm trained. I want to tell people about Jesus. My neighbor's going to hear about the gospel. But I know what it's like to be here too. I know what it's like to be here. I know how it is to be exposed, vulnerable, not continuing in the lordship of Christ, rooting to other things. And that's what the apostle Paul says in closing in verse 16. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or in regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of things that were to come. The reality, however, isn't found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost their connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elementary spiritual forces of this world, why? As though you still belong to the world. Do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Paul is pretty much saying this. All those fancy rules that they want you to live by. All the adherence to the religious practices that we make ourselves so proud about. The three times a day I pray. The one time a week I fast. Oh, how I can talk about theology. Oh, how I can be real faithful and real good and real spiritual. That's what we do. We build foundations just like they were building foundations and all these false, colorful, eloquent, 
teachings, spiritualism, Gnosticism, the stuff that sounded real good, it was real secretive, and they knew how to talk about it. The only equivalence I have today is just our religious practices. Do you see, our religious practices are just the pot. Coming to church is just the pot. Coming to, to small group, missional community, whatever we may call it, is just the pot. The real life is in Christ Jesus. The soil that is hanging on to us. Oh, he's hanging on to us. He's saying, no, don't, 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 no. What's going to happen to that plant if I leave it on those types of things? It's going to die. It's not going to take root. Why? Because it's hollow. It's based on something different. It's not meant to be. He's saying you need the soil of Jesus' lordship. You need that fresh soil that comes from heaven. The understanding of him, unifying to him. Put that in your pot and let him place you in it and let it take root and let it find its way and let it grow and flourish and be vibrant and full of life. Church, this is where God wants us to be, not putting our faith and power in the pot. The pot only serves as a vehicle and a vessel for the growth and life to happen. Am I preaching to somebody today? Why am I preaching to this? Because we live in America. That's why. And we live in a day and age where people think your life and your vitality is based on how well you do and how good you are at doing good. And it creeps into the church, y'all. It really does. And I'm not saying, we don't, we don't get rid of this pot. We need the pot. I'm not going to, like, I need the pot. But the life is in the soil. And it houses the pot. And I just want to be a church that understands the soil of Jesus' lordship. And that we would root ourselves deeply to it while we live in this pot. Could you stand with me to your feet? I'm going to ask the ushers or the, the worship team in closing just to come. We have a small moment of time, five minutes or so. I don't want to rush out of here, though, because I know that we need to pray for one another. We have prayer partners that are going to be available, and they can pray in a direction towards what you heard here. This morning, they can pray in a direction towards some of these things, the declarations that we need to make. I need Jesus to become Lord over my desires. I need to become Lord over, over my thought life. He needs to become Lord there. Can he become Lord? I want him to be Lord. I need to bring my marriage under his lordship. I need to bring my fears and my doubts under his lordship. They have been reigning as king in my life. I've let my fear, my doubt, my anger, and whatever it may be, reign supreme in my soul. They need to be submitted to the lordship of Jesus. You could have other prayer requests here today. 
I don't want to rush past this. The worship team is going to lead us in a closing song. Find a prayer partner. Have them pray for you. Have them lead you. Pray with someone in your seat. I'm going to spend some time in prayers myself. If you need prayer, come on up. We're going to close with this song, worship team. You lead us, and uh, let's not rush past this, okay?
Father, we thank you and praise you. God, let us go singing this song.